Today, we're talking to Richard Smith, co-founder and head of sales at Refract.ai about the anatomy of a winning cold call. There's a lot of advice out there in cold calling. If you've read books, you've seen a lot on it. Most of the books are a little older now on cold calling, but one I always recommend is Smart Calling by Art Sobchak. Just came out with the third edition. We're actually featured in the book. Go check it out. (laughs) No, but that's probably the best book I've seen and read on cold calling. And then there's content on LinkedIn. There's YouTube videos and all kinds of other stuff, but there are only a few companies that are actually sharing cold calling tips based on recordings and the analytics of those recordings. So in other words, listening to what do people say? How do they respond to certain objections? How do they introduce themselves on a call? How do they ask questions? What questions do they ask? How long are the calls? There's only a few companies out there actually with that data that can share data-backed you know, strategies and tactics for being more successful on the phone. And I'm super excited for you to listen to the interview today because it's with one of those companies. And before we dig into that, if you're listening to this for the first time, my name is Jason Bay. I'm the host of Blissful Prospecting. And my goal with this podcast is to help you think outside the script and share proven tactics and strategies to help you set more meetings with your ideal clients. Today, we're talking to Richard Smith. So this is an audio excerpt from the live webinar that we did on the Think Outside the Script summer virtual tour, which is going on right now, by the way. It's about halfway through, a little over halfway through. Uh, So it's live, it's free, we do them on Zoom, and it's a pretty cool opportunity for you to get your questions answered. So you're going to hear me interacting with the audience in there, asking Richard questions, and what he's going to dig into today uh, that you're going to listen to is what they call the OPTICS cold calling framework. So OPTICS is an acronym that you'll learn about, but it's he's going to go through everything with a real recording of him making a cold call with how to introduce yourself, how to talk about your prospects' problems, how to close and set a meeting, how to handle objections, etc. So I think you're really, really going to enjoy this one. If you want to watch the rest of the speakers on the tour, which I highly suggest you do, there's 42 speakers in total, and it's 100% focused on prospecting. So cold calling, cold email, you know, objection handling. We got people talking about LinkedIn. We got people talking about personal branding. Make sure to check it out. It's live. It's free at tour.blissfulprospecting.com. It's linked in the show notes too. So if you got you know, the phone app that you're listening to, it should be right there in the show notes for you to click on. And let's get to the talk with Richard. And Richard, he prepared some really cool stuff. Uh, the reason why uh, I wanted him on the tour is that he's just so practical with his content. He has this sort of no BS, no fluff approach to sales because he actually gets to listen to these calls. He has a company that analyzes the call recordings and all that stuff. So cold calling is obviously a big topic people want to talk about. And we want to customize some of the content here. So let us know. There's a Q&A button at the bottom. Click on that Q&A button. And if you have a specific question that you have, that's where we're going to answer questions. So make sure to hit the Q&A. And let me introduce Richard real quick. He's the co-founder and head of sales at Refract. And he has about 15 years of sales experience working for and building high activity and scalable outbound SaaS sales teams. So he's a super badass dude at at sales. He does this stuff himself. And like I said, we're going to be listening to actual recordings of calls today. And he's going to break down the anatomy of a great cold call. So Richard, welcome, man. It's great to have you. I'm delighted to be here, Jason. Um, I was very humbled to be invited along when I see some of the the big hitting names that you've got on this tour. And a lot of people are probably thinking, who's this random British person? Uh, so yeah, no, happy to be here. Really excited to um, help people out here on a very important topic. I think a topic that people feel very um, intrigued by. A lot of people struggle with cold calling and hopefully I'm going to make people's lives a lot uh, that much better And uh, after this talk. And I'm confident that I make a little, try and make a guarantee that um, everyone's going to come away from this conversation like feeling like they'll be able to try something new, maybe even later today after this conversation with their cold calls and yeah. something. So that's, that's what I'm here to do today. No, absolutely, man. Well, let's get into it with just a, a quick icebreaker. What was your first cold calling job? What were you doing? Yeah, so I was, um, like many, finished university. Uh, I did a computer science degree, um, was terrible okay. at it. 
realized if, if three years at university taught me one thing, it was that I was never, ever going to be a developer. Um, and so I basically thought, what am I going to do with my life? Landed in a sales role as an SDR. Didn't really know what like an SDR really was or what it meant. And back then they weren't actually even called SDRs. It was a, a business development executive was my title. Um, and my role really was create qualified meetings or, or opportunities for a team of uh, important field-based uh, business development, development managers. Um, and so these were guys who basically sat there waiting for, you know, um, uh, how old would I have been? 21-year-old Richard uh, to create loads of great opportunities, fill their calendars. Um, and quite frankly, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. You know, I mean, the training that I got in my in that company looked a little bit like this. It was like a week's worth of product training, a week's worth of like, these are our customers, these are the markets that we serve, um, these, this is our like, features and benefits. And then boom, there's a phone, there's a list of yep. people. It was like a... It was like a, a, a it, it, not not quite a phone book. It was like a directory of companies, and literally it was like, okay, I've got to figure this stuff out. I didn't have anyone. I didn't have anyone that trained me how to make cold calls. I I literally back then LinkedIn didn't really exist as it does today, with all this amazing yep. content. And so I literally was picking the phone up and just winging it. And to be fair, I did okay. Like I created meetings. Somehow I stumbled my way through it. Um, I probably did far worse than I could have if I'd actually been being properly trained and coached. Um, but that taught me a lot of lessons. But I'd say what I've learned in cold calling over the last four years um, is almost five, 10x the, the amount of what I learned in the previous like eight. Um, so I've, I've learned you know, so much in that, in that period of time. So it sounds like you had the typical sales training where they don't talk anything about the who you're actually selling to, what problems they have, the results that you can bring and were you, did you have to manually dial like on like a stationary desktop phone or did you guys have software doing dialing for you? Like what was that part of it? Like, uh, it was just a, just a desk phone, wired desk phone, <laughs> you know, type the numbers. I've in. totally been there. <laughs> headsets like Jabra headsets. Like people don't know they're born these days with this kind of stuff. Like I, I was, you know, I was yeah. literally like, you know, hand to the ear all day long sort of thing. And, um, yeah, it was it was pretty old school. And bearing in mind, it's making me sound like I'm some kind of old age pensioner here. This was only like, you know, 13, 14 years ago, but it's amazing how much has yeah. changed in that period of time. Well, let's let's talk about that. So at Refract, do you mind sharing just a little bit more about like what Refract is and like this unique position that you are in to be able to talk about cold calling and then maybe share where you see the thousands of cold calls that you guys listen to and, and, and that you make yourself and, and with your team, like where they tend to go wrong. Right. Yeah. So, um, refracted in a nutshell is all around helping sales teams, um, achieve better outcomes in their sales calls. And mm -hmm. those calls and conversations could be any uh, stage of the sales process. Um, but ultimately our technology analyzes recordings of, of conversations um, provides really valuable insights back to salespeople on where they're going wrong or what they're doing well in calls, um, but also helps companies get a deeper understanding as to the common mistakes, missed opportunities, uh, but also the moments of greatness that happen in conversations that can be shared across the team and, and really duplicate and replicate success. Um, and naturally at Refract, we, you know, we eat our own dog food, um, but uh, uh, as well as that, as well as using our own product, we are, as a business, you know, 80% um, of what we do is completely cold outbound, literally calling people up who don't have a clue who Refract are or what we do. Um, so we've been able to learn in two dimensions. One, just being able to learn through our own activity of cold calling. And yes, even though I lead a sales team, I still spend time calling and keeping my, you know, my axe sharpened. But as well, we have this amazing kind of data as far as, literally tens of thousands of, of, of calls across our customers where we've been able to analyze uh, patterns and trends and, and figuring out, you know, what goes well and what doesn't. Um, and it kind of bring to life, maybe just sharing a little bit around like where most cold calls go wrong. And if I just quickly share my screen here, um, I kind of broke these down into 
um, just a few points, and I'll, and I'll kind of elaborate on these. So number one is like most cold calls go wrong because they just sound like a sales call. And people might be like, well, obviously, but this is for me one of the biggest problems I think any salesperson has today is how can I be different? How can I be different to 95% of other salespeople? If you, if, you, if you achieve that objective, you're winning in sales. And the reality is, is that 95% of cold calls all sound like all sound the same. And I noticed one of the things, I think it was the second um, option on your poll, the second most common answer, Jason, was objections. I want to deal with objections. I want to teach, I, I, my, my whole concept is that the problem with sales calls that sound like sales calls is that they fuel obje- objections. And the best sales yeah. calls don't even allow the prospect to give you an objection. And, and hopefully I'll, I'll, I'll come on to that. Well, um, can you give us an example actually? And just cause a bunch more people have hopped on, uh, hit the Q and a, you guys, I can see there's about nine or 10 questions there. Click that Q and a button. And if you want to submit a specific question that we'll get to, but right. can you give us an example, Richard, what do you say? Like sounds like a sales call. What does the typical sales call uh, sound like that just repels prospects? Hi, Jason. It's Richard from Refract here. Um, is this a good time? <laughs> or yeah. there's a lot of debate. Not interested. <laughs> hey, Jason, have I caught you at a bad time? Do you know what happens when you say that? I call it that the, the sales call alarm goes off in your prospect's head. And their prospects we have to, you know, we, we have to appreciate have been almost self-trained subconsciously to understand that it's a sales call because they've got you know so many over their careers that when they when that sales call alarm goes off they've got their objections on the tip of their tongue just ready to throw out throw at you no sooner have you stopped saying the sentence caught you at a bad time that they're like yeah you have jason i'm running to a meeting oh you've caught me in the middle of a conference call i mean who takes calls on the middle of a conference call but you know this is the stuff that we hear and this is the this is the reality. Most call, most sales calls sound the same. They start like that. You know, have you got a few? Have you got a few minutes? Um, how is your day going? How are you? Like they just sound like every other sales call that prospect has taken over the years. And that is one of the main reasons why we get hit up with objections straight out of the gate. Got it. Because there's, I'm glad you shared that because there's not a lot of. I think if you're a rep making sales calls, unless you're on LinkedIn listening to content like yours, sometimes I'll do cold call breakdowns and stuff like that too. It's kind of actually hard to tell how other companies cold call if you're working within a company. So you don't really even know if you sound salesy compared to what everyone else is doing or if you're doing something that 99% of everyone else that does this actually does. So um, yeah, go ahead. Keep keep going, man. I just wanted to, when you say sales call, I think some people might not know what that sounds like. Um, second point, reason cold calls go wrong is that they're a product pitch. <laughs> it's like, hey, Jason, Richard from Refract, we provide a platform that analyzes call recordings and use artificial intelligence that will tell you patterns in your conver- And what happens when you start a product pitch? People forget that their prospects 10 seconds ago weren't even, didn't even know who you were. Never mind, weren't no. expecting a call. They didn't know who you were. And they were in the middle of doing something else. So you've basically, you're, you're expecting your prospect whilst their attention has been completely diverted into another task in the space of 10 seconds to understand all these technical words and features and products. And guess what happens when prospects hear all these features and you know they, all these jargon, if you like, is they don't understand. It sounds, doesn't make sense. And what happens when it doesn't make sense? Can you send me some information? Because yep. it's the logical thing to ask for. If I don't understand, I don't want the pressure of understanding what Richard's saying right now. I'm just going to ask him to send some information. So there's your next objection, which comes up because of a cold call we're wrong. So the, the problem with a lot of cold calls is that salespeople turn them into a product pitch. Um, I love that, man. That's some really good insight. And I just want to point out another thing that I, that you're doing such a good job of right now is like you're talking from the prospect's point of view. Like what's it like being on the receiving end of this when someone says this, like, what does that feel like? And if you can make that, you know, sort of mindset shift, 
as a person making cold calls, if you're thinking about how is this going to make that person feel, what am I doing that might be negative in terms of this is what they always hear that really annoys and repels them. I think being on top of that is, is something that people can really take away too. Right. Point number three, they're all about the salesperson. Um, what I mean by that is, uh, they don't, a salesperson doesn't show respect for building for, for being an interruption. They, and it's all about, you know, listen to me, give me time, give me more time. It's, and as soon as you make the call about you and not about the prospect and not completely centric, this is, and this kind of connects me with the product pitch is that prospects don't want to hear your product pitch when they didn't even know who you were 20 seconds ago. And so, yeah, this just, these are some common themes running through these points, but um, cold calls go wrong because they end up being about the salesperson, the salesperson's product and company and not making the conversation about the person who they've actually called. Um, And number four is again, connected is they build up resistance is people make big asks on cold calls. You know, can I book you in for an hour long demo? Like what? I didn't even know who you were like two minutes ago. And you, now you want me to commit an hour of my time. Do you know how busy I am? And ultimately uh, some of the words and phrases that people use start to build up resistance and make prospects defensive. Um, and again, some, I will obviously provide some of the solutions to these things as we go through this, this, uh, this, uh, this talk, but um, the best cold calls just make the prospect feel completely at ease and relaxed. Um, whereas the, the, the cold calls go wrong is when they, they get the opposite effect. Love it. And then the last point is, and this is a really interesting one, is they have the intention of booking a meeting. And there's probably a load of people on here. I'm, sh- I'm assuming most people on here are, you know, they either are responsible for, you know, booking appointments or they have a team who are responsible for doing it. But this is one of the challenges I think as to where people have fear and, and concern over cold calling um, is because the call they go into it thinking I need to book a meeting. If this person answers the phone, I've got to book a meeting with this prospect. And if I don't, the world's going to end because this might be the only prospect that answers my call or that I get put through to a day. Um, and when you have the intention of booking a meeting, um, you start to sound needy and prospects can hear it. it sounds like you're de- they can sound desperate when you're kind of shoehorning a prospect and you're fighting their objections and you're begging them for 30 minutes or an hour of their time. And again, like prospects push you away when they sense that. Um, so when you don't go into calls with the intention of booking a meeting, everything feels easier. You feel more relaxed as a salesperson. You care less about the outcome if it doesn't go the way that you want it to. And when I started realizing this, that the objective of a cold call is not to book a meeting it's to simply find people who might, who I might be able to help. Everything else just felt easier. I love that because it's, it's sort of like, yeah, I know people make a lot of dating analogies, but if you were approaching someone, man or woman that you didn't know because you were interested, maybe you were attracted to them or whatever. And if you make it about asking that person on a date, that puts a lot of pressure on there versus just saying, I just going to start a conversation with this person. Like that's right. literally all this. I'm just going to talk to this person and I might find out that I don't want to talk to them. You right. know, and like, uh, I love this. And I always say like lead with curiosity. It's just like, Hey, just be kind of curious about like who this person is and like what they might be experiencing. And then you may find out that it might not be a good fit too. So, uh, love I love see, that, man. I'd love to see in the chat, Jason, please put in this. Have you ever been on the phone to a prospect and felt like you shoehorned that prospect into a meeting and you didn't feel good about it afterwards. Please put yes. If you felt that because you, you, yeah, <laughs> you know that that conversation isn't going to go anywhere. Your account executive is going to be angry at you because it wasn't a good meeting. Yeah. Loads of people. A lot of yeses. <laughs> and this is, this is what I mean. I think when you go in with the intention of booking a meeting, you, you end up, booking time with prospects who don't actually want to meet with you really. And they feel sorry for you. And actually that when you, when you have that feeling inside, what typically happens is you get a lot of no shows. 
you know, prospects just say yes, just to get you off the phone, not let you down gently. And they don't show up to their appointment. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's my list of where, uh, of, of, of key things that we've analyzed that we've learned of where most cold calls go wrong. Love it, man. What's next? So I thought what would be useful to talk about next is call reluctance. I think this probably came out as the top on the pole of like people just being anxious to cold call and call reluctance is more of the kind of the industry phrase that gets used, Jason. Um, whereas I can, you can sometimes call it maybe like fear of the phone. This might be a, yeah. a better way of describing it. Um, here's some interesting stats. 80% of new sales reps, so people who are new to the world of sales, fail because of call reluctance. 40% of experienced salespeople stop prospecting because they have this fear. And let me tell you that this is real. I have suffered call reluctance. I've, I've, I've been that person who would literally sit and stare at the phone and know that I've got to do it, but made every excuse not to pick the phone up. And some of the weird mental blocks that I had in my head, and I'm, I'd love to hear in the, again, the chat, if this kind of resonates with people, I used to get up a prospect's LinkedIn profile, look at their profile picture and think, Ooh, they look a bit scary. Oh, they, they look like yeah. they look like the kind of person who's going to be angry if I call them. And I would avoid calling that prospect because of how they looked yep. on their LinkedIn profile. Oh man. I, I would like, I would see someone with director or VP in their title and be like, Oh, I'm not calling them. I'll call the manager instead because that person's really senior and they're going to be more fierce and stern. And it's these mental blocks where you kind of convince yourself of these weird things which get in the way, but they're real. And I want people to understand that I, I understand that it is nerve wracking. And I appreciate a lot of people who came to this uh, session probably suffer from this themselves. And a lot of this is driven by not just the mental blocks, but it's the fear of messing up. Um, it's being too attached to the outcome. It's simply not knowing what to do, like because we haven't been trained, we haven't got a framework, we haven't been coached. Um, and some things that I'd say to really address call, call reluctance or fear of the phone is, first of all, tribe mentality. And I know this is difficult right now when we're not all sat in the, the office, but one of, some of the things that we've done at Refract is we've had like power hours where we actually get everybody on Zoom, all the team, so you can actually see your colleagues. Everyone's on mute, but you're just, you know, everyone's calling at the same time. And it's quite, it's such quite a great idea. Quite entertaining. You see people's faces. You can see when someone's got a connect and you can see them like, and it's just that tribe mentality of feeling like it's all, everyone in it together is a big, is a big, uh, yeah. you see work really well. Um, and that's something real quick that you can do as a rep. You don't need your t your manager or your director or whoever to coordinate that for you. Find two or three other people making calls, make them at the same time. Right. Um, as those people and, and get after it together. I'd love that. Yeah. Make it into a game. Like we do like, you know, we do prospecting games like battleships and monopoly and we do this virtually. I'm happy to share uh, some of the rules to these games. It just makes it a bit of fun where you get like points for conversations. So you get incentive, you incentivize yourself just to have conversations with prospects. Don't prospect in silence. I remember when I was doing that cold calling role, Jason, there was like eight people in my company and the office at times felt like a graveyard. So literally, I would be there and I was like, oh man, if I if I pick the phone up, the whole company is going to be literally listening to Richard making his cold calls and not do them very well. And it was like this deathly silence that just like, oh, put the shivers down me. So, you know, <laughs> if, you feel, if you feel like you're in that kind of office environment, put on some background music. I found just putting on some like of my favorite background music, not that it's too loud, but it can do a massive make a massive impact just to feel like you're not just speaking into an echo chamber um and again have these call blocks to make yourself really focused and, and not feel like you have to cold call all day stick yourself in, in 30 minute an hour long blocks um but but finally the the ultimate way to address core reluctance and this will bring us nicely into the the next part of the the talk is actually have a framework that you know is going to be knows going to work an actual plan at cold calling but then practice it and make sure you execute and practice is the key word there. Love it, man. Good stuff. Um, so I'm excited to share everyone um, the, the, the framework that we've got here. Um, and let me just 
uh, let me just come out of here. I'm just going to uh, go into a present of you. Okay. Right, okay, nice one. Okay, so um, can you see my slides there, Jason, still okay? Yeah, I'm looking at the first one with the baseball yeah, player. Yeah. Gonna yep, okay. Skip forward. Okay, so here's a framework that I hope that is going to be massively valuable. Um, and what I'm going to do is at each stage of me talking through this framework, I'm actually going to play a real cold call, one that I – I'm involved and in, I'm making the cold call to back up what I'm talking about in yeah. the frame. I love we this. Call, we call this the cold calling optics framework. And, and I believe that everybody on this session today can take this framework and put it into their world. And so, uh, so here we go. Right. Oh, stands for opening. I mentioned earlier about, one of the biggest reasons cold calls fail is because they sound like a sales call. So uh, key here is, okay, how do I not make my call sound like a sales call? Make it sound different to everybody else. And you know, key to this is a phrase that a lot of people will be familiar with is pattern interrupt. For those who aren't familiar with it, a pattern interrupt is basically a way of, in my, in my view, is taking someone away from their normal course of action. So a normal course of action for a prospect is hearing the same call opening that they get, you know, every week or every month. And they, they've got those objections on the tip of their tongue. So what I want to do, I want to say something different at the start of their call, which literally makes the prospect pause. Sometimes you can, you can actually hear it on the call. They'll actually be silenced for almost like half a second to a second before they say, okay, go ahead. And the reason they do that is because they've heard something that sounds unusual that takes them away from their usual course of action of just not a good time in a meeting, whatever objection you usually get hit with. So some of the things that we do at Refract here with patent interrupts is, uh, and the one that has worked well for us, and we've tried multiple over, over, over time, is um, I appreciate I'm an interruption, or I know you've probably got better things to be getting on with you in, in, in your day, but have you got 35 seconds so I can tell you why I've called this morning? 35 seconds is a very intentional number to use. It's unusual. It's not me asking for a few minutes. It's not, it's not even me asking for 30 seconds or a minute. It's 35 seconds. It sounds like a very well-selected, informed choice. Doesn't feel too long. Doesn't feel too short. And um, when I say I appreciate I'm an interruption... The other thing that I'm doing there is I'm completely disarming the prospect. I'm acknowledging that I, that I am an interruption. And I think one of the challenges when we talk about resistance in, in prospects is because when salespeople don't acknowledge that, they're in, that they are an interruption, it winds prospects up and it kind of puts the barriers up. When you, when you tell a prospect, listen, I know, I know I'm invading your, your busy morning. I accept it. I'm holding my hands up. And you say that straight out of the gate. That combined with your ask for 35 seconds, nine times out of 10, believe me when I say this, nine times out of 10, I get prospects to say, sure, go ahead. Now, people might find that hard to believe, but believe me, we're like, we've got the data behind it. Nine times out of 10. In other words, nine times out of 10, I get connect. I'm not getting hit with an objection such as, I'm going yep. into a meeting or I'm busy or this isn't a good time. I mean, you're just increasing your at-bats that way because I think a lot of people don't take in consideration that like connecting is is great, but most of the time when people connect, they only actually, after that intro, get a chance to speak maybe 10% of the time. Right. So it's like that's even fewer at-bats. It's already hard to get someone on the phone. Um, so I love this, dude. That's a really, really great line. Um, it, it also has sort of that like opt-in you know, I call it permission-based, you know, opening where you're asking, like they're saying yes, that they want to hear from you. So uh, I love it, dude. Um, and the other key part there, you see tone. Tone is so key. Again, I'm, I don't want to sound like a hyped up salesperson. I just want to come yep. across as very casual. Again, like I think as prospects, we're used to kind of hearing like hyped up salespeople on the phone. Again, I just want to come across as very 
natural, very normal, very slow, very, very measured. Um, and that's my tone. So who wants to hear me use this pattern interrupt on a live cold call? Let's do it, dude. I'm excited for this yeah. part. So, um, uh, I'm yeah. So let me just, uh, stop sharing. I'll just quickly share again. Okay. So this is, this is the, this is a cold call that I made that resulted in a booked meeting. Um, just for, for people who are, are aware. Um, the context here is this prospect didn't know who I was. It was completely cold. This wasn't from an inbound lead. It was, I've found this person on LinkedIn. They look like a good fit prospect and I've cold called this prospect. And this is the opening that I'll just play and you'll just hear how I basically put into practice what I've just talked about in the, the O part of the optics framework. Um, I also want to point out as well before I do this that this is not a perfect cold call. I listen back to this and I hear things that I could have done differently and I'm not as fluent as I could have been. And I think the message I just want to send there is that even though I feel like I'm a competent cold caller that I do this regularly, I can still improve and I still hear back and listen to ways I can improve. And I think that's key is like nobody has ever the finished article here. Right. So anyway, let's play the opening. Oh, hey, Kathy. Uh, this is Rich calling from Refract. Um, I appreciate it's Monday morning and you've probably got things to be getting on with, but can you give me 35 seconds to explain what I've called today? Sure. You heard the oh. one second pause there? Because Kathy there is thinking, whoa, 35 seconds? Sure. And it's amazing how much this works. Another little tip that my colleague Mark started doing and we actually start using in calls is as part of the opening, this is a little tip for the audience here, giving away the tricks of the trade is we now sometimes say, Hey, Kathy, um, from one sales professional to another, do you have 35 seconds to explain why I've called? And when you say from one sales professional to another, again, I'm not making myself sound this, like a sales call. I'm putting myself on her level and I'm saying we're, we're fellow professionals. We're in this together. And you, anybody in the audience can change this. Let's imagine you sell to marketing from one marketing professional to another. Let's imagine you sell to manufacturing from one manufacturer to another. It still works. Prospects feel yeah. like this person is from my world and they just let you in. Dude, that is so clutch, man. I, I like the other thing you threw in there too with uh, the Monday morning thing. Yeah. So it's like, dude, you're just, you're not a freaking robot just hammering out all these calls. It's like, hey, it's Monday. What do people usually have going on Monday mornings? Yeah. Well, it's like, what don't they have going on right. on a Monday morning, right? So I, I love that, man. And Kathy, I've, I've let her know that, listen, Kathy, I know, I know you weren't expecting me, but I'm going to address that with the gate and I just want to be on your side. Okay. So let's move on to P, problems. I mentioned at the start, Jason, that one of the biggest problems with cold calls is that they be, they're a product pitch. Prospects invite the salesperson to continue talking. And what happens is the salesperson talks about all their product and we have a platform that does this and analyzes that and uses artificial intelligence and blah, 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 blah. And again, what that tends to be met with is ob objections. Sounds interesting, send me some information. Or yeah, now's a good time. Or we don't have budget for this, right? Here's my, this whole, this whole framework is designed to help reduce the chances of objections. And one of the best ways to do that is to lead your cold calls with the problems that you solve for that prospect. So real quick here, Richard, because uh, Alex Harris asked the question, how do you best deliver your value prop in the first 20 to 30 seconds? I think you're about to get into that part of it indirectly here. So right. um, yeah, go, go ahead. I just wanted to point that out with, with uh, yeah, Alex. No. We're about to get an answer to your question here. And I think... <sighs> Most salespeople are trained to deliver value propositions. And what tends to happen, and I'm not going to slam value propositions, but what tends to happen is value propositions tend to almost warp themselves into a product pitch naturally. So mm -hmm. what I want to do is flip it and just talk about the problems that you, that you solve. Again, I want to make this about the prospect, not about the salesperson. So, and in order to do this, Choose two problems, two key problems that you know that you help solve for that, for that um, prospect, that persona. And if you're not sure about the specific problems, 
do some customer interviews, hear the, hear the problems in their own words, but choose those two problems. Don't do any more than two because you can overcomplicate it. Just choose two. So, you know, in my world, it'd be like, and you'll hear this in the call, as I'll say, uh, typically when I speak with people of your job title, with other inside sales leaders, for example, they commonly share with me two key problems. Number one, problem number one. Number two, problem number two. And when you lead with problems, you're not talking about your product. What you're doing is you're then saying to the prospect, um, does any of that, does any, do either of those sound familiar in your world? Remember, the objective of the cold call is not to book a meeting, it's to find people that have got problems that you can solve. And this is, this is the way to do it. But I'm, the key is talking about the problems that you know that your prospects are likely to face. Um, let, me, let me play this out on the call, and then I've got a bit extra to, to analyze on that part of the conversation. So this is the second part. I've, Kathy has invited me in to, to, to talk, and this is what the problems sound like. Um, Kathy, I noticed that you run inside sales there, MicroBuild. Uh, I just want to share a couple of key challenges we've been solving for the inside sales leaders recently. I just want to see if either of these sound even remotely familiar in your world. Um, but the first one is that they know that they're um, losing deals in the sales calls that their guys are having every day, but the, the, the problem they're facing is that they, simply, they don't have the capacity or time to be able to listen in on all of those calls, so it's very hard to find out you know, where those deals are slipping. Um, others tell me that they typically have a two or three real top performers who have better conversions, deliver, deliver better results consistently. They know those guys do things differently in their sales calls, but they, they don't have any way to really share what those guys do differently in their sales conversations to others on the team. Uh, do we do those sound familiar in your world, Kathy? So, a um, couple of extra bits there. I started by saying, I speak with other people in your world and they share with me two problems. I just want to see if either of these things are remotely familiar. The reason I'm using that choice of word is I'm not saying, I want to see if these are your biggest problems in your life, Kathy. Because guess what? Kathy's not going to say that. She's like, why would she tell someone that she didn't even know existed two minutes ago, these big, massive problems? So when you say remotely well, familiar, all I'm doing is just getting her to say, yeah, that, that rings a bell. Yeah. And you're not, it's, it's, I always like to use personal training as an example. If you were selling personal training and you were trying to get a client, someone that was a little overweight, you wouldn't try to get them to admit to you that they're overweight and they don't feel great about it. You know what I mean? Like, that's just not going to happen. Um, dude, that's awesome. So I just wanted to address like, Alex, I think this answers your question. Like you're not going to go into your value prop at all at the first part of the call. Yeah, and Richard, is it a good thing if they're like, well, what do you do? Isn't that a good question to get asked? Well, I'll come on to this, but really, if you if you get to the stage of a prospect saying, tell me more about this, you're winning. Because yep. much like a cold email, like drives curiosity, like this is what a cold call should, should do. You get the prospect to want to find out more. But notice that what, where two minutes 18 into this conversation, Kathy still doesn't have a clue about refracting the product and what we do. Um, and that's key. I'm, I'm not making this a product pitch. I'm just leading with the two problems that I know that will likely be relevant in her world. And I've asked her to say, does this sound familiar? And this is what she, she responds with. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Okay. She's like so, almost relieved, like someone understands me. <laughs> I'm not alone. Yeah. Yes, they do. So leader problems, right? Let's let's uh let's jump on to the T. Think. What I want to do now that Kathy has said, yeah, these things sound remotely familiar. I want to get her to actually tell me of those two problems, I want to encourage her to tell me which of those really kind of resonated most with her. We say think, I want to start thinking about, bearing in mind that she was distracted, she still might be, her mind might be a little bit elsewhere. I want her to start to think a bit more about, okay, these problems that I've talked about, 
Kathy, I want you to start to think about these in your world. And a really good technique here is to get Kathy to choose which of those two problems sounds most familiar. The reason I do this is because it's, it feels easier for her to choose one versus saying both of those sound like big problems in my world, Richard, which she probably won't do. So in order to do this, I just simply say to her, which of those two things, and I list them again very quickly, which of those two things sounds familiar. The reason I'm saying which of those two things is I'm subconsciously almost encouraging her to choose one, not to ask a question, a closed question like, um, uh, I don't know. Um, so tell me about those, uh, 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 is it, is it, num um, is it number one, number two? I want to say which of those two problems that I've talked about sounds most familiar. And this is, you'll hear me do this in the corner. You'll hear how she responds. And of those two, um, kind of having that visibility in sales calls at scale or just sharing what your top guys do differently, which of those particularly stands out to you the most? Um, I would say they do differently for the most part. Okay. So she chose option number two there. I gave her option A, option B, and she's, I've, I've, I've encouraged her to think about it, and she's now selected option B. Why does this help me? Well, this, this almost like Kathy's now said, this is a problem that I'm thinking about now. This is good news for me because I can start to get her to, I can focus the conversation on that specific point. So a uh, key part in the optics framework, or T, is to get the prospect to select which problem sounds most familiar because they start to think about that problem even more. So there's one thing there that is so important because if we practice some empathy again, the prospect, these not interested, uh, I'm busy, those aren't really objections. Those are just more, um, I think Art Sobchak from Smart Calling calls them like reflective responses or reflexive responses or something like that, right? Where it's just like, just, that's just a reflex for them. And what you're getting them to actually do because most of the time, people tune out. It's like uh, Charlie Brown, right? That we uh, sound that the parents make, right? Or the adults, they're completely tuning out during the entire call and waiting for a pause in the conversation so they can tell you're not interested. This is actually, it, it almost feels like putting them on the spot in a really good way where it's like, oh, I have to think here. I actually have to engage. And you're doing it in a way that is about them, not about you. Right, exactly. And, and at the minute, I, I've managed to, Again, you hopefully people listening to this can hear how I'm really reducing the chances of getting those common objections that we get so often on calls. Um, and again, the key here is still up until this point, I still haven't talked about refract the product. Um, so impact, right? So I've got Kathy to choose option B, which is about basically in our world is replicating what some of her top salespeople do differently in their sales calls and conversations. And now I want to get her to just visualize it even more. I wanted to make this real. I wanted to start thinking about this more in her world, like make it feel like right now she's sat there and she's imagining this problem. So I'm kind of developing this challenge more in her head. Again, three minutes ago, she didn't know who Richard Smith was. In three minutes, I wanted to start to visualize this problem and make it kind of front and center of her, of her attention. And the way to do that is just to simply ask, can you give me an example of where you've been facing that recently? That problem that you've just said sounds most familiar. Okay, if you said it's a familiar sounding problem, give me an example, a real life example in your world. It's as simple as that. And this is what it sounds like. Okay, can you, can you give me an example of where you've been facing that recently? Um, definitely. <laughs> Every day. Uh, we have a couple of remote guys that are out there and they um, don't necessarily use the same phone system when they're on the lines with their um, prospects. So ultimately, when they come in with a deal and they've got vague notes in our um, yeah. system, we don't know how they were able to close it. Dude, this is what it sounds like when you know your prospects so well that you can talk about their problems in their language. People feel really understood. And she's like not pouring her heart out to you necessarily, not to quite to that extent, but it's it's pretty close <laughs> to that. <laughs> but, but like for me, I'm kind of like, I'm not settling by saying, 
which of these problems sound familiar. I want it, I want her, I'm putting the onus on her to share the example. And she just, all of a sudden, I, I, do you think Kathy now is feeling this challenge more dramatically in her head than she was three minutes ago? You bet she is because she's giving me like sharing the real life story, the real life example. So, um, the best way to develop impact is just get the prospect to share an example of where they're where, where tell me an example of where you've been facing that recently in your, in your role. And again, key here, I haven't mentioned refract. I haven't talked about our product and I've navigated the objections. Um, okay. Clue. So coming back to the, what you mentioned earlier, Jason around um, curiosity uh, and people saying, so tell me what you do. This is key. Like, first of all, um, I don't want to, I still don't want to turn this into a product pitch. I don't want to do that. Avoid the product pitch at all costs. The clue is me just saying, okay, so if there was, if there was a solution to that problem that you've just mentioned and you give me a real example, would you want to invest the time to find out more about that? not telling her what the solution is. I'm just giving her that clue into there might be something here to solve this problem. And this just gets the prospect enticed to find out more. It's kind of like when you tease anybody with the answer, they want to know the answer. They invite themselves in. Um, and this is what it sounds like in, in practice. Um, but what if you could actually get a genuine insight into what their conversations actually sound like? And even without even having to listen to lots of calls, you could actually get that insight. Would that be helpful? Sure. Yeah. Boom. It's kind of like, why wouldn't it be helpful at this stage of the conversation? Yeah. So I want to get to one of these questions here, Richard, yeah. uh, from Brian. Because this is this relates to what you just shared. He said, "Yeah, but every company has sales issues in some way. What about selling a product or service that isn't, you know, targeted at salespeople? There's a difference in objections. What would you say to that?" Um, I mean, I'd love to hear exactly what it is that Brian sells, but for me, this is it doesn't really it doesn't really matter what I'm selling here to who. I'm selling I'm selling a solution, a product to solve a problem for a specific person. I bet everybody on this call right now has prospects that they know they sell to and hopefully knows some of the problems that those prospects face that their product or service solves. So really the, the, this is the key of this whole framework is that it doesn't matter what I'm selling into who, this is a framework that is all about leading with problems and enticing prospects in avoiding objections so yeah I, in my opinion this doesn't it doesn't really matter what you're selling or to who it still works i agree i agree 100 percent. take the problems that richard led with at the very beginning and the uh problems the second step and just replace those with your prospects it doesn't matter if you're selling a product or a service your product or service or widget or whatever it is is fixing a problem talk about the problems that it fixes and then the clue part is just you know, once they've kind of shared with you what their problem is, just ask, well, hey, if you were able to fix this problem by doing this, is that something you might want to check out further or learn a little bit more about? Right, exactly. And I think it's a key point there is it's super important that you do understand your ICP. Like that is super, you've got to come with problems that you know are going to be familiar and going to resonate. And that, that's a whole different topic of conversation, but um, that's a very valid point to make. Um. Okay, so we come to the end of the optics framework with the small ask. Um, I don't know about you, but like prospects are tired of being asked for an hour of their time. Have you got an hour for a meeting or 45 minutes? It's like, even if this call sounds relevant, that feels like a big ask at this stage. And what I don't want to do is I don't want to turn this cold call into a discovery conversation. I want to the objective is finding people who've got a problem. The objective is finding people who want to find out a solution to that problem, and that's it. But what I want to do is I just want to, again, if I think one of the, the reasons cold calls go wrong is resistance, and one of the ways to build resistance is to ask for a lot of time. So instead of asking for a lot of time, just do a small ask. You know, would it make sense just to schedule 15, 20 minutes 
20 minutes to 30 minutes just to explore if we can help you or not. I don't know if we can right now, but would that make sense just to explore it a little bit further? You know, you're setting up that next conversation, not as like a demo or not as like feeling like it's going to make the sales, the prospects going to come to that meeting with their credit card details. It's like, just make it seem like a gentle, easy ask. Um, and this is kind of what it sounds like in this conversation. Kathy, listen, I, I appreciate it's Monday morning. I know you've got things to be getting on with. Um, it sounds like there's some at least worth exploring here. Can I suggest if you're open to it, we schedule maybe 20 minutes to 30 minutes, perhaps on Wednesday this week, just so I can, you know, we can have a bit more of an exploratory conversation at, at that point, see if this is something that you, you want to explore a bit further. Does that sound fair? That sounds fair. Excellent. Um, <laughs> She's actually got a calendar up before I've even asked her to get a calendar up in this, in this case. But a couple of things to, to uh, elaborate on there is, again, I'm using things like explore this further to see if you even want to explore this further. I'm kind of putting the power in her hands. Again, I'm, it's, it's a low ask. It's a low ask that I'm making. It's low friction. And I'm also using the phrase, does that sound fair? It's like, you know what? Nobody wants to be unfair. And if this sounds like a reasonable ask because Kathy's talked about these problems, then of course it sounds like a fair ask at this stage of the conversation. So but is that fair is such a nice way of just getting prospects to buy into what you're proposing. Um, and again, I, the other thing I did there is I acknowledged again that I was an interruption. I want to be seen as understanding, as empathetic, as um, uh, as a reasonable salesperson that I have interrupted Kathy. She was probably doing something else quite important. And I just want to get that rapport with, with, with Kathy by acknowledging yet again in the conversation, I was an interruption. Um, and, but yeah, that's how it played out. So optics framework. Dude, I love it. So we got nine minutes left, Richard. What I think would be kind of cool. Do you want to rapid fire some Q and a real quick? Love it. Yeah, let's do it. Cause there's, there's some of these that got voted up really high. So Dana Burgett asked, do you leave voice messages? <laughs> um, it depends. Um, I do more times than not. Uh, I think one of the problems with voice messages is again, they all sound the same. Hey, Jason's Richard from refract. Uh, want to talk to you about this. Call me back on this number. I mean, like, first of all, you don't need to leave your number on a, uh, on a voicemail because guess what? The prospect can see the number on their, on their phone. Um, caller ID is such a thing. Um, but the other thing is like one of the best, and we could do a whole different talk on voicemails. One of the things that you want to do with a voicemail is tell the prospect not to call you back, but to leave your intent. Hey, was calling you to you to talk about these two problems. Don't need to call me back. I'm going to try calling you again tomorrow or look for an email from me in your inbox. Like yep. get the prospect to, you know, expect something next. And they're going to be more, when you do that, they, because they're going to expect it, you have built up a level of familiarity with your voicemails, then they're going to um, respond. But there is also a case in point when I don't leave voicemails is um, if I feel like I'm calling that prospect repeatedly and I don't want to kind of seem like I'm a, you know, uh, a hassle. So, but yeah, more times than not, I would leave a voicemail. Love it. There you go, Dana. Sunny asks, and a few other people asked about gatekeepers, but he said, any tips on getting past gatekeepers would be great to hear. So maybe your thoughts on yeah. gatekeepers, how would you maybe talk to someone, you know, and that yeah. sort of stuff. So I know there's a lot of talk about make friends with the gatekeepers. I've tried that and it just hasn't worked just because they've got their, you know, they know what you're doing. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying this doesn't work. That's just my personal experience. Um, here's a couple of, here's a couple of tips for gatekeepers. Um, so what happens when you often ring a gatekeeper, they'll say, Here's Jason Bay there. Yeah, who's calling? It's Rich from Refract. Um, does he, uh, what's the call regarding? Is the usual question we get from prospects. One of the best ways to handle that, if you if you say anything like, oh, it's around, it's around call coaching technology, like, no, they're not going to put me through, is what to do is to make the, the gatekeeper feel like you're going to stop pitching to them. So it would be like, What's the call regarding? Uh, it's about helping to tackle the issue of too many of sales, too many sales conversations going wrong and not having insight in those calls, unless that's something that you can help me with. And when I 
say, unless that's something you can help me with, the gatekeeper thinks, oh dear, no, I can't help with that. And I don't want to be pitched to. And what this doesn't always work, but I have it where pro- the gatekeeper will put you through because what they, they don't want to be in a position where they've got to listen to your sales pitch, which they feel that you're going to give them. I said, unless that's something that you can help me with. So I don't know why this works with prospects. When I use that, maybe 25% of the time end up putting me through to the prospect. So there's, there's, that, a, little, there's a little tip. Um, another one is like, I think oftentimes the reason that gatekeepers give, uh, hold you up is because they, again, you sound like a salesperson. One of the best ways to, uh, is to not sound like a salesperson and is to sound quite authoritative. So I'd be like, call you up and you'd answer Jason, say, uh, the, the, sorry, the, the recession's answer. Um, yeah, Jason, please. I sound like someone authoritative that Jason is expecting to hear from. Not like, oh, hey there, um, I'm looking to speak with Jason Bay, please. Hey, Jason, please. Yes, it sounds a little kind of brash. But I think if you turn, I, it actually, the, pro, the, the gatekeeper sounds like, phew, this sounds like someone that, jason's expecting a call from so again these aren't silver bullets they're just things that i've tried and worked for for them and i'd you know i'd love to hear um if anybody thinks that that would work in their world uh there you go sonny i've tried that one a a lot of times and it works really well it's all about tone (laughs) and being really confident um Okay, this is a really good one that Alex Delgado asked. The decision maker already said no. Super mean guy, very closed doors to open calls. Do you do another cold call at a different time period with a different approach? Or would you reach out to someone that's maybe in more of a champion type of role? Um, okay, so the reason that they've said no could be a number of reasons. One, they genuinely aren't interested. Two, you've caught them at a really bad time. Three, which is the most likely one, is that they just haven't understood the value in what you're, what you're suggesting on the call. They've said no, it's just a way to get you off the phone. Um, and again, I, I think one of the reasons that you get that is because you're probably doing a product pitch. But if you're, if you're leading with those problems that you know solve, that, that, that prospect deals with, and you, 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 know, you, you then get the prospect to, to share those, pro- whether they solve those problems, then you're less likely to get that no. Um, my opinion uh, you know, give that prospect a break, call them back a month later, try something else. They'll have forgotten you ever called them. Yep. Oh, love it. There you go, Alex. So we're out of time, you guys. I want to just quickly thank you again, Richard, for coming on. And you have a special offer um, for people. And then I got one quick announcement. And uh, Richard, you don't have to. I thought I would stay just a few minutes after to to do some extra Q&A. That, uh, totally optional for you, man. No pressure. Yeah, no, I'd- um, but uh so yeah so what do you got what do you want people to check out man yeah so one of the things i'd love to offer to everybody on here um is uh you know i don't sit my sit here and call myself like an expert but i feel like you know over the 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 fact of what we do as a company um along the fact that we practice a lot of this stuff is uh i want to offer a 45 minute free call clinic so jason's just popped the url in the chat there if you go to refract.ai forward slash TOTS, think outside the script, TOTS, and book a demo, um, that will qualify you for a 45-minute call clinic where um, I can either listen to any type of call. It doesn't have to be a cold call. Um, it could be a discovery call, but uh, and uh, I can give feedback on that call. Or we could literally spend 45 minutes just role-playing, taking the, the, the cold call optics framework that we've talked about and trying to kind of mold that to your own company. Um, so, yeah, that this is only exclusive to people who are on this webinar right now so if you want to take advantage advantage of that just book that time it's completely free there's no obligation i'm not going to try and sell you something afterwards um this is just me helping you level up your, your cold call game so please uh, go to that that url book a demo and and uh, we'll be in touch to, to to do this call clinic uh one-on-one with you i would definitely take advantage of that you guys it's very very kind offer um, so we're going to hang around and do a couple more minutes of uh, Q&A. But my one ask, just because some people are taking off here, is, dude, if you got value from today or any of these uh, webinars that you've watched, if you could just refer one friend, like one person that you work with, tell them to sign up. This stuff's free. We're going all uh, the rest of the summer. And next week, we have some really good talks coming up with Sarah Brazier and Sarah Jane Hicks. So Sarah Brazier is one of the top SDRs at Gong. Sarah uh, Jane Hicks is a rep at Predictable Revenue. We're going to be doing a panel on how they do cold outreach. 
Anita Nielsen. We're going to be talking about how to supersize your deals, be irreplaceable, and create customers for life. And Mark Colgan from Task Drive, we're going to talk about triggers and signals. So how to do research and find reasons for reaching out to people. So make sure to check that out. Uh, but Richard, are you down to do like maybe two or three more questions? Yeah, yeah, I'm absolutely. And just, just before we do that, just to echo what you said there, Jason, like going back 13, 15 years, like I did not have access to this like type of available free content. Like literally like YouTube was barely a thing. And so the amount of amazing content that gets shared to help salespeople and what you're doing with this tour is amazing. It's such a, like, this is just such a great thing to be doing that everybody who wants to be serious about improving their, their sales game should be taken advantage of. So yeah, um, I, I, it's, it's a, it's a great thing to be doing. No, I appreciate it, man. So this is an interesting question. Someone asked you, how long after sending a cold email should you implement a cold call? So when you look at a cold call in terms of a sequence, do you like to email before and reach out to people or do you just like to call them straight up cold? Like how do you typically approach it? Yeah, I'm a big fan of just the phone first. Like, you know, Me too. I, I find writing emails like, I'm just like, oh, it just takes too much time and I'll just get on the phone. Like, and um, so yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd always try phone first. Um, I just think you can have a better for me, better success rate. You feel more in control when, you, when you're when you on the phone or versus like you send an email and you just sit and wait to see if you get a response. Um, so I'd always try the phone. Um, I'd try it a couple of times over maybe a couple of days to try and get the, the prospect on. And then maybe I'd, I'd, I'd follow up with an email. Um, and I, I just think as, as well, just the email that you send is just like make sure it's intentional, make sure it's personalized. Um, and there's no reason why you can't take the optics framework and try and convert it into an email sort of works just with a bit of bit of work on on but um but yeah i think just make sure you follow up um you know kathy i i i got on i got kathy on there uh the first attempt <laughs> but you know sometimes it takes me three or four attempts um and you know sometimes some prospects you just can't get a hold of them just move on find someone yeah. who wants to talk to you love it yeah okay so my email address i'm just gonna pop that in the chat for anybody who wants it and a link to my um LinkedIn profile too. And that's awesome. Uh, okay, let's let's go to Alex Smith's question. So we'll do one last more, and this one's a really good question. What's your opinion on calling and introducing your name and company as opposed to calling and just seeing your name? And then the second part to this question is, do you ever call it to your customer that this is in fact a sales call just to put it on the table and then kind of do your you know, permission-based you know, opener after that? Right, yeah. So... First question, um, I don't think you need to actually say your company because prospects won't, they won't they're they so not tuned into it because guess what? You distracted them. They were doing something else. They'll not, even if you've got a company name that sounds quite uh, straightforward, they'll not remember it. Um, usually what happens at the end of a call, people say, sorry, what was your name again? Is what, what people usually say. They, they, they rarely remember your name. Saying your company name just really isn't, isn't that necessary. Um, and in fact, actually, I think when you say your company name, it makes it sound like more of a sales call. So when I actually listened back to that call that I did, if, one of the things I would improve is I wouldn't actually say refract if I was going to do it again. Um, I'd just say, hey, Kathy, it's Rich. Uh, have you got 35 seconds to explain why I called it here? Um, and the second question was, I've forgotten. Uh, yeah, I forgot too. It's, uh, do you ever call it to your customer that this is a sales call? So just like be really upfront, like, hey, this is a sales call. I've done that. I've done that a few times. It takes a lot of bottle because, like, but it's it, <laughs> it, it works really well. I've got to, um, I've got to give a tip of the cap here to a guy called Benjamin Denner here, here in the UK. He's actually because yep. the UK's most hated sales trainer. Um, yep. And I, I kind of heard, I heard him do this of like, hey Jason. I thought you were going to say you kind of hate him. <laughs> actually, like, I mean, he's a customer of ours, so I, I've got. To, I can't say any bad words about about Benjamin. Yeah. I, I, I um, yeah, I heard him say like, "Hey, gonna be honest, this is a this is a sales call. Do you want to hang up?" And I was like, "Right, I need to try this out." And I used it on a prospect, and what happened? The prospect just started laughing, and like, yeah. if you if you can make them laugh, they're gonna let you in and let you talk. It's just a magic rule of yeah. sales, isn't it? Like, so um, yeah, I, I'd I'd give it a try because it's just brutal honesty. And what happens more times than not? People saying. Yeah, sure. What are you selling? Or, you know, people, people will laugh more yeah. times than not. And uh, it's always a nice way to start a call. No, I love it, man. 
Uh, hey, we didn't get to a bunch of these questions, you guys. So when I post the replay, which you'll get an email about later today, uh, throw your question into the comments. And between myself and Richard, we'll try to get to as many of those as we can. But uh, this is awesome. We still have like a ton of people just sitting on here. So thanks for coming on, you guys. This was super interactive. And Richard, uh, you're awesome, dude. Thanks again for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Jason. And uh, yeah, I appreciate everyone tuning in to hear uh, a random guy from the UK talk about cold calling for an hour. Love that interview. One of the big things that sticks out to me, and I'm a very big proponent of this as well, is cold calling without talking about your solution. You talk about the problem that your solution fixes. You don't talk about its features, its benefits. You certainly don't talk about how much it costs or anything like that. And this is approach... And again, this is under the assumption that you know your prospects' problems, but you open up and talk about those problems and then ask them if they'd be interested in looking, you know, if it existed, if they would be interested in looking at a way to fix those things. And this problem-centric approach is very powerful if you have a really good idea of the problems that your product solves and if the, you know, problems that you solve, uh, that your product solves, excuse me, are, are big problems or big pain points. So make sure to check out Richard's talk or the rest of the talks, and or both, on the Think Outside the Script Summer Virtual Tour at tour.blissfulprospecting.com. We already have over 5,000 people signed up for this thing. So go check it out. I think you'll really like it, especially if you like stuff that's geared on prospecting. So how to get those meetings through phone, email, LinkedIn, social, etc. Go check it out, tour.blissfulprospecting.com. And thanks for tuning in today. We'll talk to you soon.